Hey, if you have your Bibles or your phones or your tablets, whatever you read your Bibles on, uh, if you take those out, go to Daniel chapter 3. You'll say, well, why can't we just look in our program and get the notes? Well, it's because I'm preaching, and I never have notes for you, so <laughs> you're going to be out of luck today if you didn't, didn't plan to bring your Bibles. But there also is a Bible in front of you if you want to use that. Right before we take offering, I want to pray, but just I want to encourage you as we jump into a passage that, uh, gosh, we've heard it before. Uh, we learned it first. If you, did, if you did Sunday school as a kid, you've heard this. And a lot of times what happens when we've heard a passage, we go, I, I know this one. I mean, tell me something new. I can't tell you something new because I'm not allowed to add to the book. There's a big warning about that at the end. And so I'm not allowed to do that. And so I keep sitting there going, God, what is it? Like, what is it you want to take? Because if your word is living and active, then you constantly are revealing more and more of yourself to us. And so I just want to encourage you, for those that say, I've gone to church all my life, I've heard this past at Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, I even did a song about it when we were in a little kids program, I get that, but hang in there, like stay in there, just, we're just going to pray, pray for an offering, but we're going to pray for God to say something like he's never said before, so that it's life-changing for every single person in the room, not just the one that came, I'm talking about the whole room, just something happens today like never before, okay, can we pray together, let's do that. God, first we come to you and we thank you for your provisions, and we also now thank you for the, the opportunity that we have to give back, for the purpose of investing in eternity, that souls can be impacted, people can be fed, clothed, that people can hear the truth of the gospel and be saved. We pray that you would use it in our communities, in our neighborhoods, in this area, and around the world, that lives are changed, cultures are changed, societies are changed, but ultimately, that people come to know the name of Jesus. And so we thank you for an opportunity to give. And now, God, as we open your word, God, it's impossible. I mean, I'm so, I'm so reminded so often the impossibility of the task of a human being trying to explain the glory and the majesty of God in a way that actually penetrates our hearts and our souls in order that we actually live in the reality that we don't have to fear anything because we fear you. And that you being God, you invite us to know you. So God, I pray, take this feeble attempt and do something that only you get the credit for, we pray. In Jesus' name, and everyone who agrees says, amen. Last week we had Tamiko and Lisa share, um, and Lisa kind of summed up her her whole part of the message in one, one little sentence. You even got a card. <laughs> That's when you know it's Lisa preaching. There's like a card. There's something to do. I never have that kind of stuff. But I mean, this is the one phrase, and I put it on your notes. That's the only note I put on there so you knew I didn't just make it up today. When you fear, go to God first. But here's the thing. When you fear, go to God first. But if maybe you're here and you haven't been to church ever. Guys, we don't live in a culture anymore where it's like everyone's heard the Bible stories. We don't. I mean, we can't take it for granted. We live in a culture where there's some people that have never even opened a Bible. I mean, in our area, in our communities, we have people that don't know the Bible stories. And so I don't want to take for granted. So when I say, hey, when you fear, go to God first, unless we look at it. And I love that line. I think that is one of the best things we could do. Because how often are you just like me? Something comes up, you're freaking out, and you go through all the motions of trying to fix it. And then you go, okay, I've tried everything. God, I guess I'll pray. I've tried everything, I'll figure it out. Rather than God just saying, if you came to me first, I might have actually told you what to do. But we just kind of keep going through the same motions. We're going to figure it out. This is what we're supposed to do. God, let me show you how wise I am. And God's sitting there going, Brian, you can do nothing apart from me. Oh yeah, forgot that part of the Bible. 
We go to God first. When we fear, go to God first. But who is this God? So if you're here and you're, this is, you're visiting, you're our guest. We're so thankful that you're here. If you've never heard the Bible stuff, I get it. And so that's why I said, I'm going to try to convince you in the next 32 minutes and 38 seconds-ish that this is who God is. Because our view of God will impact every aspect of our lives. If you want to fear less, fear God. You say, well, how am I? That's just living in fear again. So you're telling me that I have to fear God. I'm not telling that you have to fear God. I'm telling you that when you encounter him, you will. And it's good. The Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That's where it starts. That so often we kind of want to, we want to convince people about God's goodness. Like, I have to defend him. And God's like, stop, stop doing that. Stop feeling like you have to defend me and just tell him the truth. God is holy and majestic, glorious and mighty, sovereign commander of the universe. He measures the universe with the span of his hand. The reason we're not floating out into space is because God keeps the planets rotating where they are. The reason you and I have breath is because he's graciously given us life. He's inside time working with us and lives outside of time. He somehow has lived out our tomorrows and knows exactly what he is doing for his glory, not our comfort. Feeble attempt to try to explain this God. In Daniel, it's this book about where the Israelites are taken out by captivity, in captivity, out of Israel and into Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar, maybe you've heard that word, we'll just call him Neb when I can't say it because I'm going too fast, but Neb, King Neb, he takes him out. But here's what he would do. When he would conquer a land, he would take the best and the brightest, especially of the youth, and then bring them in and kind of indoctrinate them, change their name, give them all the clothes they would ever want. They eat, at the king's, they eat from the king's table. They're getting the best of everything. So they, they look back at their old life and go, ah, compared to this, I'll take this. Does it sound kind of familiar today? Isn't the same thing going on with our youth? Indoctrinate them. Well, what, how's that happening? It's that thing that we point all of our furniture toward. And I'm not anti-thing that we're pointing our furniture toward. But aren't there, aren't there messages saying, you need this, you gotta have this, you gotta sound like this, you gotta wear this, you gotta smell like this. I mean, it's like, you have to have these things. And all of a sudden, no, this is living. This is what you really want. And here God is going, no, I wanna give you the best. But the best is part of the journey. Not this immediate gratification. So all of a sudden, there's this pull. But maybe I say this, maybe it's not just the youth. Maybe it says it's just as well. But the ploy is still the same. So we know Meshadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Nebuchadnezzar sets up this golden image. It doesn't say that it's an idol. It doesn't say that it's made to look like any kind of specific thing. Here's the dimensions. Now, those of you who are kind of engineer mind, you're probably going to look and go, that, uh, that sounds like it's not proportional. Because here it is. 90 feet tall, 9 feet wide. I was like, are you kidding me? Don't you feel like you could just go up and go, <laughs> just topple it over? I'm like, whatever. But here's what Nebuchadnezzar says. Every time you hear the music go, so every time Pastor Jay brings up his guitar and just goes crazy, when you hear that, everyone bows down toward the image that I have set up. And that's a huge part where he says, I have set this image up. I have set it up. I, over and over and over, he uses the phrase, which I have set up. I have set it up. In other words, he's saying, worship the thing that I created, therefore worship the creator. Oh man, he's got a little God complex, doesn't he? And he says, anybody that does not bow down 
You'll be thrown into a fiery furnace. Say, no, nobody does that. Friends, there are people who love Jesus who are dying every day because they love Jesus. For that simple fact, it's happening all over. If you don't bow down, we throw you into a fiery furnace. Well, all of a sudden, word gets out. There's some governors, there's some prefects, there's some government officials. All of a sudden, they go, oh, we can't stand these three. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those teenagers drive us crazy. Yeah, teenagers. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Some of you sitting there going, I get that. Those teenagers drive me crazy too. Why? Is it because you forgot? They're in process, just like you. They should be, no, 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 no. If you've been walking with the Lord for a long time, I've known Jesus for 30 years. Do you realize that for some you've been walking with Jesus for 30 years? That means you've been walking with Jesus for twice as long as many of them have been alive. Welcome to old. (laughs) And yet for some reason you're looking at some of these teenagers going, you should be where I am. Then maybe it's this. Instead of saying, you should be where I am, go back and get them and lead to where Jesus has taken you. I ain't listening no more. That's okay. The message isn't for you. It's for the ones that actually want to love Jesus. So here we go. Here's the youth. These three, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're not bound down. They stay standing. They got some sass. Can't imagine teenagers with sass. Can you? I love it when I'm driving down my street, and I'll turn the corner right by Rancho High, Rancho High School, and all of a sudden I'll turn the corner, and kid, like there's a crosswalk right there, but they go diagonal. And then they kind of have this look like, how dare you? And, so they, and, they, and then they slow down. I'm going to be honest. That drives me. I, it, takes, it takes the weight of the Trinity to keep my foot on the brake because I hate that. All of a sudden, it's just like this swag thing. Like, what you going to do? I want a big rig horn. That's what I'm going to do. Oh my gosh, drives me crazy. No, not all, just some. I can't imagine teenagers with sass. <laughs> okay, said no one. Okay, but here's the thing. They won't bow down. So the, these, these government officials go and they, they tattle on the three. They go to Neb. Hey, hey, King, three of your, your favorites, they're not doing it. What? Yeah, they're not bowing down. You said if they don't bow down, they have to be killed. We pick up chapter three, verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar in furious rage commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do, not, you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the bagpipe, and Jay's voice, and every kind of music to fall down and worship the image that I have made well and good. Hey, if you do that, we're good. We'll come. It's like a warning. For some of you, it's like, you parent it this way, maybe you parent it this way, hey, I told you to go do that. I don't want to. One. Two. They're like, mm. Two and a half. Two and three quarters. You're like, I, didn't, I, don't, know any, I don't know any more fractions. Like, what do I do? So this is like his warning, right? He says, if you do this, fine and good, we'll be fine. I got this. Uh, verse wherever I was, 15th ish. But if, I, but if you do not worship, this is the warning, you shall immediately be cast into a burning fiery furnace. And he should have stopped there. But then he got all arrogant. Because remember, 
He's conquered other people groups, other nations, and all those other nations had these quote-unquote gods. So don't you get kind of a God complex. If you're whooping up on everyone else, that means that their gods couldn't handle you. Watch his, watch his, watch his question. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Oh, no. Do you think that at some point God said they're going, oh, wow, what a speech. Wow, if you, wait, you're going to kill them if they don't bow down? Hmm. But once he said, and which God? He's like, hmm? Which God will be able to save you from my hands? I wonder if God said, challenge, accept it. He should have just kept his mouth shut. Which God can save you from me? Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you can just tune out for just a second. If you are a follower of Jesus, do you have that much confidence in God? Think about it. Or do you have that much confidence in God so long as he does what you want when you want him to do it? Like he's the barista at Starbucks that he put on the apron. Oh, he's a servant. Yeah, we're his servants. And he loves to serve. That's part of his character. But friends, when will we as followers of Jesus boldly every day stand because we are convinced that God is able. Now it's weird. Watch the response. Verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, oh, you. I can picture a teenager saying this. Oh, Neb. I love it. We have no need to answer you in this matter. What? Oh, they just threw down the gauntlet. Oh, king, we, got, we have no reason to answer. It's kind of like, none of your business. We don't have to answer this. This is obvious. Like, you would actually ask that question. We're not going to bow down. Now, watch the response. It says that they all answered. Remember, they all, all of them answered. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, oh, king. You're wondering whose? Our God can do that. And Nebuchadnezzar, maybe he's, maybe he's trying to jump in and go, but didn't I? He's like, I'm not done. In his mind, he's going, didn't I conquer your land? Your God, quote, unquote, your God couldn't save you then, not knowing that the whole time this was God's plan, that God had risen Nebuchadnezzar up for the purpose of disciplining his people because they had gone off from him. In his mind, he has it that he's in control, and he's just a pawn in the plan of God. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. Now catch this, verse 18. But... If not, we don't, we don't pray like that, do we? Don't we say now? Hurry up. God, I've been waiting like three days. Three days. That's the God number because that's Jesus in the grave. Came up three days later. I did three days. Come on. What if we said this? God, I know you can do anything you want. I know you can heal this person, but if not, I know I don't know how I'm going to pay these bills. I know that you can help provide, and I'm working, and I'm trying. But if not, I know you'll protect my loved one over there or whatever we come up with, whatever scenario. But if not, do we have that confidence that God's sovereign plan will work out no matter what? Or are we trying to convince him how to be God? Maybe this is what we're called to do. Maybe we come back to being human and let him do his job. 
of being God. When we prayed over the years, some of you guys were brought up in a tradition that did this. Our Father, who art in heaven. Remember, that was the most boring part of the whole service. It's like, oh, we're singing. This is great. This is great. Now we're going to pray the prayer. Everybody prays. Ah. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy. It's like we turn into a bunch of monks. We don't even know why. So we're just chanting. Mm. Didn't you say this, though? Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It doesn't sound like there's this mutual relationship in the will of God. It's his kingdom come. His will be done. So here comes. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Who do you think is the most powerful person on the planet right now? Is it Nebuchadnezzar that couldn't control three teenagers? Is it the three teenagers standing before the most powerful person on the planet saying, we're not going to do what you say because our God can deliver us. He is able, but even if he doesn't, we're not doing it. What if we lived for the applause of heaven rather than the accolades of each other? What if we really tried to just please Jesus in every aspect of our lives instead of making sure we got enough likes on a picture that I posted? Because I got so convicted. And I'm not, I'm not anti-social media. I just realized I can't have a whole lot of it in my life. Because all of a sudden you go back and look to see who liked your picture. And hopefully you make it to 100 because then you're a real person. And I felt like, I mean, I haven't done this for a while, but sometimes, sometimes you'll see kind of pastors that if they get to preach places, and I used to do this, but it's been a while, but it's all pride. Take a picture from the back of the crowd I'm speaking to. It's like, look where I am. I'm amazing. And then to put hashtag humbled to be here. And yet Jesus says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing, but not in social media world. And I felt like, God, this is just a few weeks ago that I was just sitting there and I was thinking through it and I was like, okay, God, what do I need to get rid of? I don't want to be addicted to anything, nothing to have control of my life, nothing but you. What is it? I had to get rid of Instagram. I had to get rid of Twitter. He's like, well, don't you still post things on Facebook? Yeah, just because it's all scheduled and I, don't, I, I try not to look at it. Here's the thing. I, think, I felt like he said, hey, Brian, stop prostituting the people that I've entrusted to you to get the quick fix to be liked. And you find your praise from me. Okay, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Have you ever just had that time with God where you just feel like, gosh, I suck at this? And he's like, nope. You're not listening to Jesus then because he's not afraid to tell us the truth. Wouldn't it be easier just to strive to live for the applause of heaven? Now, don't pull out your phones and get rid of it. Oh, I'm getting rid of Instagram, too. Don't do that. It's fine. If you want to do that and take pictures all the time and look at everyone else's life that they're living, that's fine. Do it. But what if we just live for the applause of heaven? Well, here's Nebuchadnezzar's response. He was filled with fury, and the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it usually was heated. There you go. Because colder fire doesn't kill like hotter fire. I mean, I just want to make sure you understand this. There's fire that burns everything and kills everything, but make it hotter. Okay, seven times hotter. What? Guys, they didn't have the technology. It's like, 
all we have is wood. So they're just throwing wood in there, trying to get it going. Does this work? No, keep it going. What he's saying is he's exaggerating. It's like, hey, make it as hot as the sun. Okay. They might have been able to get it to about 1,500 degrees. That's about it. But they do it. Why? Because Nebuchadnezzar's having a temper tantrum, and you don't want to tick off the guy who has a temper tantrum that can kill you. So that's what they do. 20, verse 20. He ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Isn't that great? He ordered the mighty men. Like, get the buffest guys to tie some knots. I mean, Boy Scouts learn how to do that, but get the big guys. So he takes some of his strongest people in the army to come tie some knots, and he's like, I can do it. My name's Bubba. I can make some big knots. And he makes a knot, ties them up, and casts them into the burning, fiery furnace. Verse 21. Then these men were bound. Now watch that word, because that's going to be repeated over and over. These men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown in the, in the burning, fiery furnace. Because the king's order was urgent, and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That might have backfired just a little bit, because now you've lost some of your best warriors because they had to tie some knots and throw them into a furnace Sometimes we are so stupid. Verse 23. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound, there's that word again, bound, into the burning fiery furnace. Then, don't you like when God shows up? You see it when then something, or but then, or but now. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the fire? Don't you wish that somebody just had the nerve and go, duh, we watched you lose your temper, you little kid. Didn't we throw three, uh, uh, one, yeah, I think it was three, I think so, absolutely. Did we not cast three men bound in the fire? And they answered and said to the king, true, O king, oh, uh, yep. And he answered and said, but I see four. I see four men, now here's the word, unbound. See, didn't we bind them? And we bound them, why? So that they would, they would be afraid. I mean, it makes sense. You're going to throw someone in the fire and make sure they're tied up first. But this is for fear. You are our captive. So let me tie you up. I'm going to bind you. And all of a sudden, they go into the fiery furnace. And Nebuchadnezzar looks and he goes, whoa, 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 one, two, three, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three. I see four, and they're unbound. Guys, we don't understand why we have to go to the fiery furnace, except maybe this. Maybe we go through the fires so that God can unbind us. By a show of hands, how many of you have gone through something that's really difficult? And as you go, everyone's like, no, let me finish. Got through something difficult. After it's over, you look back and you have this whole, whole new understanding of God. Anybody? That you never would have had if you hadn't gone through it. And yet for some, all you do is pray this. God, make us comfortable. Make us comfortable. Make us comfortable. And that's why you never see the miraculous. Why? Because the miraculous ushers in. I'm sorry. The trial ushers in the miraculous. God, I just want to see your miracle. I want to see you do something amazing. You ever notice that when people come to Jesus in the Gospels, they never come to Jesus asking for a miracle when everything's great. They always come up to Jesus asking for a miracle when they're, when they're at their end, when they're so desperate. And for some of you, if, you just, if we just keep putting ourselves in this little Christian cocoon, everything we can do to keep it comfortable, 
I'm convinced that Jesus will rip the cocoon open. Why? Because he desires more than you would see who he is than for you, than for you and I to miss him completely. If they never went through the fire, they never would have had this experience with God. He says the fourth one looks like what? Now watch this. I love this. The appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. There was something different about the fourth. Yeah, there's four. I see Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego freaking me out because they're not burning. But this fourth one? Oh my goodness, there is something different. He looks like one of the son of the gods. What was that? Who is it? I'm convinced this is, this is Jesus pre-incarnate. This is known as a theophany. Before Jesus came in the flesh, there's times where I see the angel of the Lord, the angel of the Lord, that I believe it's a theophany. This is Jesus incarnate or pre-incarnate. If you were one of the three, and you see Nebuchadnezzar looking in, how many of you would have looked at him going, hey, come on, brr, I thought, it made, I thought you made this hotter, it's so, come on, cuddle for warmth, you too, son of the gods, come on, come on, they're unbound, they're walking around, guys, why would they even think they could do this? Why would they even think they can get away with this? Could it have been that passed down from the generations, Isaiah had spoken his words, what, 150 years before this? And as Isaiah's trying to point them to this Redeemer that's coming, trying to point, hey, this is what God is, and this is what he's like, and there's no other God in the universe like him. He measures the mountains in a, in a basket. He, he takes the whole the whole waters of the earth and puts in the hollow of his hand. Could it be that these three, when they heard, if you don't bow down, I will throw you into a fiery furnace and you will burn to death. Could it be that all of a sudden, all those little Old Testament Awananites came back to their minds? Hey, we had to, remember, we had to memorize a verse about this. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. And when you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flames shall not consume you. Could it be that all of a sudden they go, I remember that. But isn't it amazing that God doesn't say, this is how it's going to work. When you go through something different or difficult, I'm going to send someone your way. I'm going to make like an angel show up or just this incredible experience, but I'm not going to be there. I've got to stay back because I'm God. Aren't you thankful that in the beginning of Isaiah 43 too, when you pass, not if, but when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. I'm in the waters with you. I'm going through the fire with you because isn't that what happened when the, when the son of the gods shows up with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? He's not on the outside going, watch how I protect. He jumps right in. Aren't you thankful that from cover to cover, God is saying, I am with you and you are with me. That, answer that and tell him that same message. But here's the thing. It's a God-ordained moment, get it? What if we lived believing that God with us, that we might be with him. Verse 26, Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace. He declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out and come here. I'm telling you, I would say it again. No, no, you come here. Don't tell me what to do. Come play. 
They have this huge conversation. They're blown away. They don't even smell like smoke. They leave the, or they go into the fire bound. They leave unbound. But for some of you, God has taken you through the fire. Why? Because you're bound by fear. You're bound by addiction. You're bound by whatever it is that is keeping you from living the life that God paid for you to have. And you may be going through the trial. Why? For the purpose that you would be unbound. Nebuchadnezzar all of a sudden says, he looks around at the whole group. Hey, if anyone talks trash about these guys, God, I'll tear your body apart. Yeah, there you go, Nebuchadnezzar. Back to your power. Now here's the part I, I was like, God, what is it? Because I still don't think. I'm like, they've heard this. This is the norm. I've never seen this before. Remember I said they would change the names of the people they would take into captivity. When you look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they all had different names. Shadrach, his, his, his real name was Hananiah. Meshach, his real name was Mishael. And Abednego, his real name was Azariah. Hananiah means Yahweh is gracious. Mishael means who is like God. And Azariah, Yahweh is my helper. That's what their names mean. So what if we did this? Because all of them answered the king. And what if they all took parts? So what if it was like this? So let me just read it. I didn't add the scripture. I'm just kind of adding my parts into it, but not the part that will give me a curse. Okay, here we go. Chapter 3, verse 16. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, now watch Mishael. Why? Why would he say this? Because his name means who is like God. All of a sudden, Mishael steps up and goes, Our God. Our God, we serve, is able. Doesn't that sound like someone who actually believed that God can do anything he wants, that there's no God like him? That Mishael would be the one, our God who we serve is able. And as he starts into his part, all of a sudden, Azariah, again, his name means Yahweh is my helper, jumps in and goes, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us. Why, they know whose they are. The name given to them by a king that didn't know God didn't change their identity. Why? Because their identity was wrapped in God. And you have the one who's saying, hey, my name means who is like God. God is able. The one who says, Yahweh is my helper. That's what my name means. Yahweh is my helper. Yeah, he is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace. They both start jumping in and saying, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. And then Hananiah whose name means God is gracious. Yahweh is gracious. I picture him just getting real quiet and saying, but if not, like I know all this is true because these are my boys and we know what our names mean because they point us to the truth of God. And sometimes I forget that God is sovereign and sometimes I forget that God can deliver and that God is helper. And, and so they're around. You know what this means? That we're better together. That we walk in community moving forward. That when I forget an aspect of God, you remind me and vice versa. So you have the one saying, God is God. No one's like him. And he is my helper. And the one who says that Yahweh is gracious, yeah, even if he doesn't, why would you say that? Because grace is getting something you don't deserve. Even if he doesn't, we will not bow down. I had never seen that. And I went, my God, you are awesome. So here's what we're going to do. Jay and the team's going to come back up. And I don't, I don't know where you're at 
in your walk with Jesus? I don't even know if you have one. My prayer is that if you don't have one, that you've heard something about this God that maybe terrifies you enough to at least start asking some questions. I mean, it's easier, honestly. If you don't like what you hear, just say, I don't believe in God. That's like saying, oh, I got a bad haircut, so I don't believe in barbers. I mean, it's like it doesn't matter. It doesn't make any sense to me. It's easier to do that, but at least start the conversation. Followers of Jesus, may we strive. Think about it. May we strive to have the boldness and the courage of three teenagers who would not bow their knee. That older people, you have much to learn from the younger ones. And younger ones, you have so much to learn from those who have gone before you. We're on a journey, and it's a process. And if you're in the trial, maybe the whole purpose of the trial is to give you a whole new perspective of God. Because I, I doubt very highly that Shadrach, Meshach, let me change it, that Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, I doubt that they looked at the Son of God who was in the fire saying, how did you let this happen? I think maybe they were saying, how in the heck are you doing this? So here's how we're going to close. And just to warn you, I might, I might sweat a little. I don't normally. It's just a hobby. If you'd do me a favor, if you would stand for the reading of God's Word as we as we join in with what angelic beings have been doing since God created them. Instead of us just sitting there going, it's just Jesus. There's no such thing as just Jesus. It's Jesus, Son of God, Alpha, Omega, beginning, end, sovereign commander of the universe, Savior, Redeemer, Lamb that was slain that we might know God. That's your just Jesus. Revelation chapter 4. Maybe we picture it like this. After this I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit and behold a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders, clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. And from the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are, are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind the first living creature like a lion and a second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight, and the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within, and day and night, they never cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, then 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him 
who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things. And by your will, they existed and were created. That's the Jesus. That's the Jesus that we worship, that we follow, that we obey, that we adore. It's about Jesus. We fear less when we connect who we are to whose we are. You want to live without fear? Fall in love with Jesus. It's Jesus. You cannot muster up enough boldness or courage on your own, and neither can I, to live this life never experiencing fear, but if the Heavenly Father has it, if it's come to me, it had to get by the Father, through the Son, and I've been given the Holy Spirit to get me through it. It is to His glory. We fear less when we connect who we are to whose we are. And we rest And the fact that Jesus says, no one can snatch you from my Father's hand. No one can snatch you from my Father's hand. Jesus, we give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor, for you alone are worthy. And as we sing to you, may we sing in a manner that is worthy of you. As we join in with angelic beings and the elders who are throwing their crowns before you. And may we just worship you and whatever trial we're in may we simply say no matter what even if God doesn't come through according to my plan I will not bow down because I will live according to his by the power of the spirit in me Jesus thank you you are worthy To you be all praise, all glory, and all honor, for you alone are worthy. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone who agrees said, amen. Love you all more than you know.